can go to our website at vlchurch.com, click on that growth track banner and sign up, and we would love to have you. That starts next Sunday. Also, I want to make mention of one more thing. Our youth group, as you may know, is going to Honduras this summer. That's exciting. That deserves a cool ovation from our youth group over here. And uh, they are doing a fundraiser, and Pastor Peter asked me to make mention of this fundraiser. You probably received an email about it. It's called our Acme Mission Trip Fundraiser. Acme does this thing called Community Cash Back, where they will donate 5% of the cost of certain items to nonprofit organizations, of which we are one as a church. So all we need to do, we need your help, if you'd like to help, this is uh, supporting a great cause. Our youth are going down to Honduras uh, to serve uh, next summer. Uh, we just need proof of purchase with receipts. And so if you go to Acme to get, you know, your groceries or whatever, if you currently don't, go to Acme and get your groceries. And then share those receipts with us. We'll have a little box out there that says Acme Community Cash Back, like the one you see on your screen. And you can drop your receipts in there. And we will get a certain amount of funding that will support this youth mission trip uh, going forward. And so we would love your help, and it would be great if you could do that. That will be available for the next couple of months. And so we encourage you to find ways um, to uh, uh, turn in those receipts to support this mission trip that's happening uh, next summer. Well, that's all I have this morning in the way of announcements. If you've come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, um, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you could text to give, or you can certainly give as you exit the sanctuary this, me this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord uh, with your tithes and offerings today. Can I can ask you to stand this morning, and as you do so, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, we're here to worship you because you deserve it. You are a God who is great magnificent, and absolutely amazing. You are beyond anything we could ever imagine in our minds and in our hearts. Yet you are eager to show us what we can't even imagine. May you allow us now to capture a glimpse of how amazing you are as we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, let's worship this morning. Come and let us sing for joy. Let us praise and shout out loud. standing on your salvation is our song now we can stay silent we will sing how great is your love for us and great are the things you've done and praise is the offering we bring to you hey! Lord, we bow our hearts in awe by your 
There are some people this morning who want to say that I am found new in Christ, and they're going to do that through baptism. So I'm going to turn the service over this morning to Pastor Otto. You may be seated. If I can have my microphone on. Thank you so much. Good morning again, again everyone. As you, as you can see, we're going to do a baptism service today. You know, the Bible says something really interesting about how God draws people to himself. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, no one can come to God unless God draws them to himself first. And so the reason people are getting baptized today is because God has drawn these individuals to himself. And I am so pumped to see these two little guys get baptized this morning. It's so inspirational to see young guys do this. I want to say one more thing about baptism. You know, baptism is the result of God doing this work, of God drawing people to himself that ultimately affects who they are and how they feel about God, about Jesus. And so these two young guys are coming today to do something physical that is emblematic and reflective of something spiritual and personal that has happened in their hearts and in their minds And it's so incredibly cool. And so the first person who's coming to get baptized today is Hunter Tavani. 
Hunter, come on over, buddy. Give Hunter a hand. We are so proud of Hunter. What a cool kid. He says he became saved two years ago when his second grade teacher was talking about him giving his life to Jesus. He says today he wants to be baptized because he knows that he can't do anything by himself, and he knows that Jesus is his rock and that he can lean on him. Those are really wise words for a young dude like, like Hunter. So, Matt, take it away. I'll just be super loud. Okay, thank you. Hunter, we're so proud of you for making this decision. I know your family is here, and they're super proud of you. We're also happy that this tank is warmer than the air this morning, which is just good for you, all right? So because you've made a confession of faith and that you serve the Lord Jesus your whole life long, it's our honor and privilege to baptize you today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to honor the Lord Jesus. Awesome, Hunter. Great job. Congratulations, Dominic. Go ahead and head on over. This is Dominic Tavani. Says he became saved last year in third grade when his teacher about salvation. He said he heard about it a lot of other times, his parents, school, and church, but that was the day that he decided to himself that if I don't do it now, I might never do it. Such wise words. So he says he wanted to be baptized today to show everyone his love for Jesus because he knows that he can do anything with him. Very cool words. That's awesome. That concludes our baptism time this morning. So if you'd stand, we're going to continue to worship, and we're just going to continue to declare, as they have, that they will follow Jesus anywhere, and we will follow Jesus too, because he's bought us, and he's brought us back into relationship with him. So let's continue to sing this morning. I'll follow you anywhere.
There's a million reasons to trust you. Nothing to fear for you are by my side. I'll follow you anywhere. Oh, Jesus came to my rescue. Took my place upon the cross. You redeemed what I had lost. Now my whole world revolving around you. You're the center of my life. You're the treasure. You're the prize. Oh, all I want is you, Jesus.
for a minute as we pray Lord this morning we've declared that we want to follow you we trust you we believe you because in your word you said time and time again in the Old Testament that you would save somebody that you would send somebody to save humanity and you honored that you proved that when you sent Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. And therefore, he was able to save us from our sins and our imperfections. God, he did that by going to the cross, by bleeding. For his people. He died and rose to life again. But this morning, we remember that it's the blood of Jesus spilt on that cross that washes our sin white as snow. So God, that no matter where we stand, no matter the shame that we hold and the guilt that we have for the wrongs we've done, your blood and makes us clean. And we can have new life in you, Jesus, because of that blood. We can have eternal life in you, Jesus, because of that blood and the resurrection. So we worship you for that today. Savior Son, Holy One. 
Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians 2 when he said, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are thankful that you were willing to die on a cross and have your blood shed on our behalf. You did it to demonstrate your unyielding love for each and every person in this room and for each and every human in this world. May the truth of that story go just a little bit deeper in our hearts and minds today because it's so true and so defining for our lives now and forevermore. And therefore, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And it is indeed in his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, thank you, and you may be seated. Thank you again for worshiping with us today. And we're going to transition to another really cool time in our service this morning. We have some awesome things going on today. We've done baptism. Now we're doing baby dedication. We do this a few times a year. And this just provides an opportunity for parents and also the church to dedicate our little ones to the nurture, admonition, and leadership of the Lord Jesus. And so today, I'm going to have our children's director, Jody Kiesler, come forward, and she and Pastor Matt will lead this part of our service. Jody. 
we're so glad to have you all here today for this baby dedication. Baby dedication is a wonderful time. It's a time when parents are committing to raise their child in the love and knowledge of God and to share the wonder of his word with them. And we as a church are thrilled to be able to partner with them in this adventure. And it's a blessing to be able to do this together as a group uh, to, to dedicate these little babies to him. So, at this time, we're going to welcome both the Rail family today, and we're going to welcome the Fullerton family. So, if you want to come up with your little ones, yeah, dedicate some babies to the Lord. It's just wonderful. Yeah, come right in here. Wow, <laughs> what an outfit. I could only pull that off if this was a southern church. So, you know, but he looks great in it. So well, this is, go ahead, Jody. So first off, we have Carly and Andrew Fullerton, and this is their little baby, Barrett Axel Fullerton. Oh, wonderful. Well, what a precious gift from the Lord that you are giving back to the Lord this morning. The, the Lord is already working in the life of little Barrett, and we're so blessed to be able to dedicate him to the Lord this morning. Folks, what we do here at Victory Life, it's, it's not magic or anything special, but for those of you who are willing, we just invite you in a moment just to stretch your hands towards these because we as a church are agreeing with Andrew and Carly today that we're going to do our best and, and, and give everything that we have in order to make sure that little Barrett serves the Lord his whole life long. So would you stretch your hand towards Barrett this morning and would you pray over him with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift that is Barrett. Lord, we thank you that you have known him from his mother's womb. We thank you today that Andrew and Carly are choosing to dedicate him to you. And so we do that now in agreement with them that little Barrett belongs first to you, that you are his God. Lord, we pray that he will come to know you at a young age and that he will serve you all the days of his life. Lord, we pray that he will become a mighty man of God and that many will come to know Jesus because of Barrett's life. I pray that you would give Andrew and Carly great strength to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And God, we agree as their church that we will partner with them to make sure that this mighty man of God becomes everything that you've designed him to be. We dedicate him to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. So now we have Haley and Phil Rail and their son, Forrest Shane Rail. All right, coming down here, Forrest. Get down here. Would you stretch your hands towards Forrest this morning? And we're going to pray over him right now. Heavenly Father, we pray for Forrest this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for him. What a blessing, what a gift. Lord, we just, in agreement with his parents right now, with Phil and Haley, agree, Lord, to dedicate him to you. We pray that he would serve you all the days of his life. Lord, that he would grow to be a mighty man of God, that he choose to follow you anywhere, just like the song said, and that, Lord, he would be responsible for many people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray that you would give Phil and Haley great wisdom in raising him to serve you and teaching him all of your ways. 
And Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and determination in that. We also agree today that we partner with them as a church, partner with them, that we can, we can help Little Forrest become all that you've designed him to be. So Lord, we pray your blessing over him today, and we dedicate him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We present each family with flowers. Um, the white is for the life of the new child. The red is for all the mother has given. And the yellow is for the leadership that the father has. So we're thankful to be able to present these to you today and a certificate of dedication. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, there's little babies up here. So why don't we do a golf clap and thank the Lord for them. So, <laughs> All right. You all can be seated. Congratulations. All right, at this time, our young disciples, you may be dismissed to head on down the hall. And uh, I saw a pile of donuts the size of Space Mountain this morning, so I don't know what those are for, but uh, I think those were donuts down there. For all you old disciples, hopefully who are getting slightly warmer as the service goes on, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. We have been working through a lot of concepts this year as a church, and I know we have a lot of folks here visiting uh, to see folks get baptized and babies get dedicated. We've been talking about what makes a fully formed disciple. Jesus said for his disciples to go into the world and make more disciples. And we've been talking about what a fully formed disciple looks like. And today we're going to move into a, another concept, something that uh, we believe, as a staff and elders of Victory Life Church, makes a fully formed disciple. So that's what we'll be talking about from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following today. I have good news and bad news for you all today. Today is test day. There are three things you need to know before you leave this place. And if you know them and you pursue them, you'll pass the test. It's just that simple. I remember in college we had a professor who was legendary for being the toughest grader on the entire campus. He was legendary that all of his classes would start with 50 students and they would end with about 12. Everybody would drop after the first test. They were nervous that this guy was going to crush him. He would come in the first day of class and he would say something very simple. Folks, you are responsible for everything I say during lectures. Everything. If I say it, Write it down. When we get to test day, there's one rule. Don't interpret it. Don't try to synthesize it. Don't try to give me any of your thoughts or opinions. You're undergrads, and I don't care. I want you to do one thing. I want you to memorize the material I give you and then regurgitate it to me on the exam. And then he'd get on to lecturing. So I took him at his word. I thought, I'm going to memorize everything he says. And if he's a liar, I'll prove it to him. And if he's telling the truth, I'll get a good grade on the test. Well, test day came. Many students took the test. And after test day came and grades were handed out, the class shrunk to about 25 people out of 50. And he gave the same speech again. He said, folks, I just want you to know there's, there's a very simple way to pass this class. Those of you who are still here, memorize everything that I give you. Don't try to interpret it. Don't try to regurgitate it. You're undergrads, and I don't care what you have to say. Just tell me what I told you and you will pass this class. Yet somehow after the second test, we got down to 12 students. You say, well, what did you do to pass the class, Matt? It was simple. I memorized everything he said. I didn't have to be brilliant. I didn't even have to be smart. 
I just had to color code things and memorize them. It was just that simple. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. I interpreted nothing. I gave him zero of my opinions. I just spouted back to him exactly what he told me. It proved to be the easiest class I ever took because all I had to do was memorize. I didn't have to think. This was no philosophy class. I once wrote a philosophy paper to which the professor responded that I had no idea what makes philosophy or what I was talking about. So I'm just telling you, interpreting and, and, and synthesizing information is not my strong suit, but I can memorize anything. Well, today, I want to give you three steps to pass the test. And the test that we're going to pass today is a test of emotional health because fully formed disciples are emotionally healthy. You say, Pastor Matt, where do you get that from Scripture? Well, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. Do you remember what he said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have to take three of those at least to be speaking of the inner person, do we not? Heart, soul, and mind, and perhaps inner strength if we really want to go there. It's very important that we as the people of God who are in this world to see other people come to know Christ have an inner life that's working. We can't be captive to our thoughts. We have to take our thoughts captive. We can't be a hot mess because we're trying to sort people out. We're trying to help them out in this world. It's important that we are emotionally healthy. Now, I want to tell you this morning, the minute I say something like, we need to be emotionally healthy, I recognize that I lose a certain portion of you because you are the stones that we can't squeeze water from. You haven't worried about anything since the Reagan administration. I know that. You don't want any of this newfangled, psychological, touchy-feely Marxist crud. And you're already ex not excited about today's sermon. Well, let me tell you, I've never said anything newfangled. I hate hugs. I'm not touchy-feely. Please don't try to hug me after service. And I'm certainly not a Marxist. But the Bible has a lot to say about what goes on in here. Jesus had a lot to say about what goes on in here. In fact, Jesus said, if we'll listen to his word, we won't be anxious about anything. We won't be overcome by worry. We won't take years off our life through anxiety and worry. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some simple principles from the scripture about how to overcome these things and some proactive steps to having an inner life that works, to being emotionally healthy. Because emotionally healthy people submitted to the will of God can change the world. Are you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following? Let's take the test and see if we can pass it. A rather long passage today, 14 verses for us to read. I know it's cold in here, and that was on purpose. We didn't fall asleep during this long reading. Here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, says Jesus, and where thieves break in and steal. But Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, there's the linking word, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's the key. But seek ye first. I had to go King James on you for a minute. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We have a concerted thought from the Lord Jesus this morning. If you're around here long enough, you know that I hate the subject headings in the Bible. Because oftentimes they're, they're breaking up concerted thoughts that don't need to be broken up. Jesus is teaching us how not to be anxious and how not to worry in certain aspects of our life. And that word, therefore, in verse 25, it is meant to bring these concepts together. Jesus is speaking here about how our goals and our aims and our concerns can either derail or uphold our inner life. One of the most famous passages in Scripture, don't be anxious about anything, implying that we're killing ourselves with worry. But the really neat thing about this passage is that Jesus is making sure that we know that wherever you are on the economic strata of society, that you can be emotionally unhealthy if your goals and your aims are in the wrong place. By starting with, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and ending with, why are you worried about your next meal? Jesus has put us on both ends of the spectrum, has he not? From those who are trying to acquire great wealth, all the way down to those who are wondering what they're going to eat for lunch, and they're not sure where it's coming from. He covers it all. And he's letting us know that in this particular aspect of life, there is no reason for worry, no reason for anxiety, if we will orient ourselves where we need to be oriented. All we have to do is pass three tests. The heart test, the eye test, and the master test. He gives us three proactive steps to learning how not to worry about some of the things that we should never be worried about. Oftentimes, this passage is taken out of context. We don't see the context that Jesus has built for us. And by not seeing the context, we don't actually have the proactive steps in order to overcome that anxiety, that worry, and that fear. But Jesus makes it very clear, you can and you should if you'll follow my word. Let's go back to verse 13 and talk about this heart test. For, I'm sorry, 19, and talk about this heart test for just a moment. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this word treasure, if you go back in the original Greek language that the New Testament is written in, really is a denotation of something of extreme value. I don't think it helps us to, to think about treasure the way at least I think of it. When I think of treasure, I think of one-eyed Willie's pirate ship in the Goonies. You know what I'm talking about? 
They finally get there, and they're just stuffing treasure in every pocket that they have. I think Chunk puts some rubies in his mouth. It's completely disgusting, right? I'm thinking of that type of treasure. I'm thinking of Gollum and the precious. You know, my precious. You know, something gold with powerful. But, but treasure here is things of exceptional value. Now, in Jesus' day and age, there wasn't really an entertainment industry the way there is today. There wasn't really a tech industry the way there is today. There certainly wasn't a travel and vacation industry that there is today. So in in specific, he's talking about things of exceptional value that you can acquire and have. Stuff. But we have a, a, a far more complicated milieu, if you will. We live in a far more complicated world because we do have an entertainment industry that we can put exceptional value on. We, we do have a travel and vacation industry that we can put exception, exceptional value on. We do have a tech, technology industry where we can place exceptional value on things, and perhaps that, that fits into material goods. And we do have a service industry that, that we can consider. All things that we can put exceptional levels of value on and make our goal and our aim. There's so much for us to violate this principle to make sure that we don't pass this test because we treat our lives as a bigger, better party from a very young age. And have you ever done a bigger, better party? Like none of you? Did nobody go to youth group ever? Nobody did a bigger, better party? First service people, you're either lying to me or you're very, very, very... Anyhow, anyhow, long story short, a bigger, better party is where you are given like a paper clip or, or a pencil, and you go with your friends in the car. You got two hours to trade up for something bigger or better. People have showed back up to their bigger, better parties with boats, with, with, with massive things, because you're trading up. You're getting bigger. You're getting better. You set a goal, and you go for it. Jesus is letting us know that we can treat life as a bigger, better party constantly trading up, constantly wanting something better than what we currently have. I remember as a kid, we didn't have a lot of money, and on birthdays, we would get to choose the food and the drink that we wanted. Well, I wanted Mountain Dew, except all we could afford was Mountain Holler. I remember thinking, someday, I will be able to purchase Mountain Dew in a two-liter bottle, not a three-liter bottle from the discount store, because Mountain Holler is just not the same. I mean, from a very early age, we have this thing of getting more and getting better. I remember being a kid and wanting those shoes or wanting that jacket or or, or wanting something that somebody else has, something better. The goal, the aim, the treasure, the thing of exceptional value is out there, and I want it. As we get older, this does not change. It just becomes more expensive. We want newer shoes, a newer car, a better kitchen, a new dining set the next vacation, the next man den, to fill out our wardrobe, to get that new piece of technology, to upgrade our current home, to move into a bigger one, to fully stock the 401k. We have financial goals, places to get to, and if we can just get a little bit more, a little bit better, a little bit bigger, a little bit newer, we'll be happy. Except we're not. Jesus is letting us know that we spend so much time and emotional energy on our financial goals that it really can break us down pretty hard. What are we so focused on? 
Jesus says instead, orient your heart on heavenly things. Orient your heart on heavenly things. Things that you don't have to worry about. Things that you don't have to to try to hold on to or enlarge. From the various, very earliest times of God's people, he's been trying to break the power of wealth over them or the, 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 the pursuit of wealth. Even when he called the Israelites, he, he denoted to them that he was their provider and he was stronger than anything that they could acquire. He was the one who was going to take care of them. If you think back to the Old Testament system of people whose culture that the Lord set himself, he gave them powerful concepts like the first fruits in order to break the power of wealth and treasure over them. For an agrarian society, the first fruits meant that, that the first bit of harvest goes to the Lord. The first lamb, the first goat, the first calf that is born, that goes to the Lord as well. He instituted things like the tithe to say the first 10% of one's increase should go towards maintaining the things of God within God's people. Once again, trying to break the power of wealth and treasure over them. He, he gave them the concept, and this is the one that's the hardest, of the sacrificial system. We sang about it today, of the blood of a perfect sacrifice saving us from our sins, where the Israelites would have to go to Jerusalem year after year after year, and they would bring one of their finest animals from their flock or herd. For what? To breed it? No. To watch it go up in smoke to the Lord. To say, my sins need covered, and I trust you to take care of me. Even if that's the animal that that signifies the growth of my business, I give it to you. It's no different in the New Testament. Jesus realizes if he can break this destructive power of more, better, I want, I want, I want, me, 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 now, now, now. He can take people and change them from the inside out. And their emotional health can be what it needs to be for the kingdom of God. If you drive about 30 minutes north from here, you can see the grave of John D. Rockefeller. Lakeview Cemetery, very interesting cemetery. Great place to go if you're heading up to Italy for a snack. You can see this grave of the founder of Standard Oil, one of the richest men in the history of America, who a reporter once asked of Rockefeller, John, how much money is enough? To which Rockefeller replied, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Well, you say, I'm not rich, Pastor Matt. In fact, I'm broke as a joke. Just like Rockefeller, you're after a little bit more. It's, it's the human condition. Upgrades, bigger, better, a little bit more. About 20 years ago, Forbes did a study of the 400 richest Americans and their level of overall satisfaction, happiness, and joy. And what the researchers from Forbes found was the overall level of satisfaction, joy, and happiness in the richest 400 people in America was equal to the Maasai people of Kenya who have no electricity or running water. Can you see why Jesus wants to break us at this silly inclination that more, bigger, better, newer is good for us? It takes so much of our focus, so much of our goals, so much of our aims 
in life, we're all after that thing. How many times are we saving towards something or, or getting ready for something? And the furnace goes out Ugh, on a Sunday morning before baptisms. <laughs> Sorry, too close, right? We're, we're saving for something. We're getting ready for something. And then, and then something, life happens. Somebody gets sick. Something breaks. A need happens. And we're like, no, no, my plan, my plan, right? I had a plan for these financial resources. And Jesus says, stop it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Forbes, I'm not I'm sorry, not Forbes, USC did a 50-year study about happiness. And they asked the question, do people as they get wealthier throughout life get happier? And over 50 years, they have shown that there is no appreciable increase in the happiness of people based on increased wealth. But the same study from USC found that people who are committed to their religion are happier than people who aren't. Jesus only said it eh, 2,000 years ago. Yet researchers are discovering it today. You have to pass the heart test, folks. What's your heart set on? Is it set on the things of God? Or is it set on this thing that infects all of us? A little bit more, a little bit better, a little bit newer. The second thing Jesus says is to pass the eye test. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is bad, the whole body is full of darkness. We're talking about the inner life. What's the eye? The eye is the... Is the, is the place from which desire springs. We see things and we want them. And if we don't want the right things, Jesus says, our whole body will be full of darkness. I remember when I was a teenager, the coolest thing that you could roll up to school with on a morning like this morning was a starter jacket. You know, Charlotte Hornets, Chicago Bulls, L.A. Raiders. Remember when the Raiders were in L.A.? Those were the coolest things. They were the pullovers, right? And they were the quarter zips. They were the coolest things ever. I begged my parents, I want a starter jacket so I can be like the cool kids. And I wanted that so bad. And I remember Christmas came around, and I got a pro player jacket. It, it was Raiders. And looking back, that jacket was awesome. You know what the problem was? It wasn't starter. It didn't have the cool S right here. That was the issue. My eye was hyper-focused. So I opened this awesome jacket with th 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 that had the Raider Pirate on the back. It was so cool. The Browns were in Baltimore. I couldn't do it. It was so cool. And I went to depression on Christmas morning. If your eye is on the wrong thing, look what can happen. That's so stupid. You know, we're about to enter the season of light, yet for so many here, it's going to be a season of darkness. Because of what our eyes are, what we're lusting after, what our passion pursuit is. I want so desperately to give my kids the Christmas that I could never have. What is that? 
goofy. Get him some gifts if you can. And, and, and then build in them some thankfulness. That, that'd be good. That'd be good. Jesus says where your heart is and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says if your eye is fixated on the wrong thing, it, it can make the, the, whole, the whole insides rotten. And finally, Jesus says you've got to pass the master test. Who's the master? God or wealth? You've got to pass the heart test. You've got to focus on the kingdom of God. You've you got to pass the eye test. You can't be focused on the wrong things. And then you have to pass the master test. You can't serve both God and wealth. Who are you serving? See, if you can pass that test, therefore, verse 19, you don't have to be anxious about anything. You don't have to be anxious about anything. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. That the same God who feeds the sparrows feeds you. The same God who clothes the lilies of the field feeds you. Don't ask me why, but there was a container of Spanish peanuts on my back patio this And a squirrel got on my back patio. Son watched as it took the Tupperware lid off and got to the Spanish peanuts. We now have the fattest squirrel in Northeast Ohio living on our property. So I didn't keep the peanuts, obviously, feral creature. So I, I picked up the peanuts and I threw them into the backyard. That squirrel must have thought that God loves him with all of God's heart. Because th there's so much there was in abundance. Folks, we live in abundance, yet we're worried about money. It's goofy. It's goofy. And we have real-life things happen to us. But it's goofy. Jesus says you don't have to be anxious about anything. What you need to do, and, oh, I love this. Jesus is so, he doesn't even say have more faith. He does say you have little faith, but he doesn't say get some more faith, guys. Pull it together. What does he say? How do we pass the test? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And your Father in heaven will take care of the rest. Put your heart on things that last for eternity. Focus your eye on desiring people come to know Jesus. Say to yourself daily, Lord, you are master of my life. I serve you and not my goals and my aims. I want your kingdom to, be, to come, your will to be done, and I want to do right by you and others. I want to live in righteousness. You focus there, and God will take care of all the rest. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, that's how you pass the test. You say, God, I trust you to take care of the rest. If I bring to you all of my concerns, all of my cares, all of my worries, then you know what? I want you to take these. I'm going to go ahead and do your will, and I'll trust that you'll take care of the rest. Do you think he'll do it? Do you believe him for it? He wants you to pass the test. He wants you to set your heart on things that matter for eternity, not just things that matter for this temporal life. Watch your inner and emotional life flourish. 
as you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Watch all this temporal stuff become strangely dim in the light of the face of Jesus Christ. Watch it happen. If you'll set your heart on the things of God, what is your eye on today? What's the countdown to Christmas? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. What's your eye on today? Are you thinking to yourself, you know what? It's Christmas. This would be a great time to reach out to my neighbors and build a relationship with them. Maybe I could give them a gift. This would be a great time to invite coworkers to church. I know church will have special skits and music, and maybe somebody will come to know Jesus. This would be a great time to, to invite somebody who's, who's lonely and lost to, to celebrate with my family and, and give them gifts because nobody gives them anything. I would like to do things for the kingdom and for righteousness' sake rather than to just do things for me and mine. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Focus on others. God first and then the people around you and watch as anxiety and worry and fear dissipate. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. You say, Pastor Matt, it's not always that easy. No, no, I know. I know. I know. Like, I really do know. I really do know. I battled anxiety for almost 20 years of my life. Bad. Like, bad and for those of you who've ever had maybe a spouse or a child or, or a parent with anxiety there's there seems to be nothing you can say that can help that person and i thank god for the most part i still get worried sometimes i'm mostly delivered from that ailment debilitating anxiety but the most powerful advice, the most powerful thing my wife ever said to me in years of this battle, especially in the early part of our marriage, she looked at me and she says, Matthew, I don't know what to tell you to change your mood, but I want to tell you if you focus on serving other people today, watch your anxiety dissipate. And I remember thinking, what's stupid? Don't tell me that. The best advice that anybody ever gave me. I started serving people and loving people and not thinking about my problems. And the things of earth began to grow strangely dim. So folks, yeah, you can pray. Yeah, you can trust the Lord. Yeah, you can serve other people. It's all here. The question is, are you willing to pass the test? Are you actually willing to do what the Bible says in order to win for the kingdom. Easy steps. Simple things. Simple truths that just need to be followed. Or are you going to take the simple word of the Lord this morning and go, what I'm going to do is I'm going to interpret that in a way that suits me. What I'm going to do with that word from the Lord that's so simple that I'm hearing is, is I'm going to rewrite it a bit and share my opinion on the matter. Or are you going to take the simplicity of the word of God today and say, I need to make some changes. I want to pass the test. I've been focused on the wrong things. I'm going to take simple steps today to focus on the Lord and his kingdom. You can pass the test or you can fail it. But I tell you, if you, pa if you pass the test, oh, what will well up inside you and oh, what you'll be able to do for God and his kingdom.
Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I trust this morning that you can speak. And I trust this morning for some in this room you have spoken. They're not passing the heart test. The only thing that really they focus on is more, bigger, or better. Newer, cooler. Lord, that can wreck our lives. Will you break that in us today and give us something better? Will you tell us real ways in which we can reset our heart around you? Lord, some of us are failing in the eye test today. We're so hyper-focused on a goal that you haven't given us. It causes us to sin. It causes us to worry. It causes us to hurt people. Oh, Lord, would you erase that goal and that aim? And would you replace it with something from you? And, Lord, some of us need to pass the master test today. We just need to say each and every day, Lord, you are Lord. My plans, my goals, and my aims are submitted to you. So this morning, before I leave for work or drive my kids to school, I give you the time of day and ask you to have your will and your way and your righteousness. Lord, so I won't be focused on me and my goals. I'll be focused on you and yours. Oh, Lord, you want us renewed day by day in our inner self. You say so in your word. Make of us people who love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and take great ground for the kingdom of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I know you were worried that I was going to preach till 11. Well, you're welcome. Would you stand with us today? It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Next week, we're going to have baptisms, baby dedications, communions, and foot washings in one service. And no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We are going to have communion. It's going to be beautiful. Hope you'll come back and join with us. But I tell you today, if the Lord spoke something to your heart, obey, obey, and watch what that does in here. God bless you. Oh, I did, tur I did mute it. Yeah, it's muted. Now it's muted? <laughs>